Oh, hey there, listener. We are in episode 14 of the postcast. Long time no speak, huh? We have a lovely, wonderful, awesome show lined up for you here. Uh, three parts per usual. Part one, we're looking at the last two matches FC Cincinnati played in. Some thrilling, thrilling losses to Montreal and New England. Signs of hope, signs of concern, all of that and more. A shocking lack of Brenner shit-talking from the Chief. But he saved it all for part two, where we discuss Christian Pulisic's comments post-US v. Morocco match. Uh, we get a little bit of insight as to how that match actually went down in the stadium. What was it like with the Moroccan fans and their active support? And in part three, we discuss the World Cup bid from Cincinnati and why a lot of local leaders are quietly confident that they have this one in the bag. And uh, a little subway talk? And that'll be your episode of the postcast. And joining me to discuss all of that and more or less, let's see how we get to it, uh, two wonderful contributors to the post-sensi. We have special guests as Grayson is still on assignment in a war zone in Europe. We have Das Harks. Uh, das, I, I, should, I should point out for the listener, I think this is fair, Das Harks, that is German for the Harks. How are we feeling tonight? I'm feeling like the Harks. I don't know what that means, uh, but that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> that's that's the, the one best true Harks. <laughs> it's like it's like Highlander. When you put a proper noun, like when you put the in front of something, it immediately becomes a, a sci-fi concept or like a fantasy concept. He is seeking the Harks. The Harks <laughs> angers the people. He's strong with the Harks. I, you know, I would love the U.S. men's national team captain at all times to be referred to as the Harks. Oh, it looks like Pulisic's got the Harks armband tonight. You know, that would be good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, it could be he starts sleeping. He sleeps sleeping with his teammate's no, wife. Why not? No, no, oh. no, no, Pulisic, not again. Um, uh, no, that was my Kenny, right? Anyway, Harks. <laughs> yeah, full Harks. Never go full Harks. <laughs> Oh, and of course, joining us, as always, we have the Chief. Chief, uh, I mean, I, I know this was my my intro last time around, but man, it really felt good to see FC Cincinnati Twitter on attack mode again, huh? It's it's nice to know it's still there in your back pocket. It's, it's kind of like when you get older and you go out to the bar and you really tie one on <laughs> and you wake up the next morning not miserably hungover and you're like, still got it. Yep. <laughs> That was that was last night. It was it was a still got it moment for all of us last night, and I I was happy that you know that we're really on one when the personal attacks start flowing to people that are just in the mentions, and that's where we were last night. It was a lot of fun. Oh my god, I uh, yeah, I would just go into like you know the quote tweeted tweet of a thread and the thread off of that. I'm like I'm finding people that didn't even know what they were commenting on, and I'm like. Fuck right. you. Cincinnati is perfectly great at this. Like, get the fuck out of here. Head on a, head on a swivel. You got to know that the attacks are going to come from all directions. And <laughs> that's that's how we roll on Twitter in the 513, baby. Uh, I, there was one person in particular I was proud of. He, he went from accusing me of white knighting, which in uh, my defense, I did not realize the person I was jumping in with was a, uh, a woman. But it definitely wasn't white knighting, too. He ended with... 
I like your chili and the Bengals are cool. It's like, all right, all right, we won. <laughs> you know, I subscribe to a service that says, uh, you know, every, there's always every bullshit holiday on a daily basis. Like t- tomorrow or today when you're listening to this is National Donut Day. But yesterday was National Simp Awareness Day. So congratulations. <laughs> you might not have been white knighting, but you might have been simping. Oh, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm celebrating holidays. Simping ain't easy. Yes. <laughs> just, I'm just out there celebrating holidays. So, oh, no. I mean, look, Cincinnati fans have every reason to be uh, to be hyped, to be excited. They have a, uh, let's say, an average, dare I say, above average team this season in FC Cincinnati. And we've got two matches to discuss as we... Um, we took a uh, a forced break. Yeah, why do we why do we have two matches to discuss here? <laughs> Don't we usually do this on a weekly basis? Hmm. I could have sworn I recorded takes about this last week. You know, that's that's where I was at the end of our lovely interview. Um, I don't know if it's worth keeping the guest a secret, but for some reason it feels important to me to like not reveal everything. But man, it was <laughs> it, it was a great time, and I, I truly wish people could uh, could have heard it. No, and uh, thank you to everybody who reached out who were like offering IT help to like figure out how they could recover <laughs> it. Um, God bless you. Uh, Thank you. Your heart is in the right place. My my hands were in the wrong place, I guess. And it was just, there was no recovering. There was no way to get that back, um, I promise. And uh, yeah, just unfortunate overall. But neither here nor there. FC Cincinnati lost two thrilling matches over the last two weeks. Uh, 3-2 loss to New England. A 4-3 loss to Montreal. I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again, we've seen bad teams in Cincinnati lose in the most depressing ways. I'll take, you know, these flamethrower matches, these matches where it is just anybody's game, there are backheel goals and scissor kicks that are are necessary to take the Cincinnati team down. Uh Das Harks, what is the uh what is the vibe coming off of two Two losses that probably should not have been two losses. It always sucks to lose, but at the same time, <laughs> they were at least entertaining matches. Uh, and it seemed like FC Cincinnati had at least some sustained bouts of pressure. We're scoring multiple goals. Uh, unfortunately, we're giving up more <laughs> goals than we're scoring. <laughs> but I mean, like you said, it seemed like it seemed like Cincinnati should have won those matches. And while again it sucks that we lost the match itself we're coming off of three years where it never seemed like we were going to win any of those matches um so at least the shift is there and not for nothing we're still in sixth place i don't know how we managed to do that um obviously as as they would say it's it's still early days but i mean not last place entertaining people better than last year I mean, I would disagree that it's early days. We're almost a little over a third of the way through the season at this Sir, point. Sir, the post is a monolith. You are not allowed to disagree with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that at a certain point we passed, oh, well, it's the first couple of matches, and we've settled kind of into a pattern and into a groove to where at, at this point I do feel confident saying that the, the floor doesn't appear like it's just going to fall out 
or that we're just a product of small sample size right now. There's a there's a decent baseline that we have at this point for just about everything FC Cincinnati is doing. I'm you blinked and all of a sudden the team had played what like 16 games, 14 yeah. games now at this point. Yeah, the the season is I mean, we're taking this weird break, so this feels like the halfway point. But yeah, we're we're probably about forty percent of the way through the season, um, and you're you're starting to see at least in the Eastern Conference, there is absolutely a gap between sort of sixth place and above, which is where FC Cincinnati is, in seventh place and below. There's a good four or five point gap that exists there that has kind of stayed there the last three weeks. And you are starting to see, at least for the time being, you know, anybody can go on a hot run in this league, but you're starting to see the playoff teams separate from the non-playoff teams. And for the time being, Cincinnati appears to be a playoff team, or at a minimum, a bubble team, going for that sixth or seventh spot right now. And I mean, I think most of us were just hoping for a not last place finish. And now, I mean, with a couple of wins in the right spots, this team's hosting a playoff match at the end of the season. Yeah, and now we're getting greedy. Where, you know, I've said for the most part of this year that the goal was just don't win the spoon again. That's all I care about is just don't do that again. And now it looks to me that this this doesn't look like a last place team. It does not look like a last place team. They play too well in too long a stretches of matches for this to be a last place team. So now it is like turn your attention to, okay, so what do we have here? So with these two games, I don't know what, what your take is, Kevin, or the Harks, um, what you're starting to see in terms of this team is they get exposed badly on defense from time to time. They will just go entire matches or runs of matches looking like they have absolutely no idea how to stay with a mark or how to defend the counter or what to do with a person in space in the 18. Um, and if you, you look back and you remember back to both these games, both these games featured horrendous defensive breakdowns that led to great chances, some of which, which were actually scored on. Balanced with great offensive-looking possessions, set-piece goals. Um, I loved in this last match that the team goes down uh, multiple times in this game and fights its way back in to where... For the last 10 minutes of the match, you're not chasing a two-goal game, you're chasing a one-goal game. And it feels like that, that there were points to be had because the team didn't give up, it didn't quit, uh, they played their game, they put pressure when needed, they scored a goal to claw their way back in. But if you're looking at where this team is right now, and the story that's been told with both this New England match and the more recent match uh, that we played last weekend against Montreal... It's backline defense that is letting this team down. And for a while, there was a thought that I had, I don't know if you guys had it, that maybe Wobodo would help cover a little bit of the deficiencies, especially at the center back position. But there's only so much he can do. And the team desperately, desperately misses Ronald Moderita. Just uh, Nelson is, he's a a nice guy, I'm sure. Well, maybe he's not a nice guy. I don't know if there's talk about that. But... um, (laughs) But he's he's a backup. He is limited in what he does. Um, he has some good skill sets, others that are pretty deficient, and there is a moderita-sized hole on this defensive back line to the point where I'm looking at you know what we're going to see from this team out of this little hiatus here. They're going to come back to play, I think, on June 18th is their first game back. 
and when their first game back happens, it's only a week or two to the start of the next window, an opportunity to bring players in. And I'm looking at this like Albright has to look now at making a move on the back line, a major move on the back line, either bringing a center back in or someone better to fill that gap that Moderita has on a short-term deal, maybe a year-long loan, or I don't know how you structure that, but they need backline help badly right now, and these last two games proved it, I think. Yeah, Harks, I, I don't know how how you're assessing this defense. I mean, yes, I, I think Wobodo has absolutely done what you said there, Chief, which is he has helped solidify this defense. And I think that's shown against weaker opposition and not necessarily even weaker, but teams with poor attacking talent. Um, Chicago and uh, Minnesota come to mind. Minnesota has a great defense, uh, potential MVP candidate with their goalkeeper. Um, Chicago, terrible offense as well. But against New England and against Montreal, two amazing offenses, it just isn't enough to cover for what is Hagland and Murphy, uh, two guys nobody expected to be starting uh, this much, let alone being potentially our first-choice starters at this point on this team. Um, I guess, yeah, that's that's the question to you. I'll, I'll throw to you, Harks. Um, where, do you, where do you see reinforcements coming? What do you think is maybe the most important spot to be uh, to be reinforcing on this roster? Yeah, it, it seems like we're missing uh, exactly maybe one Jeff Cameron and also, um, I mean, hell, if you're going to Canada, maybe you're missing Tyler Blackett as well. Maybe you're also missing uh, a Gustavo Viasia type um, who has the cover speed to be able to counter or to be able to respond to these counters. I, I think that, I don't know, it, Murphy is, is performing better than expected, um, but I, I, you know, he's still green. I don't think uh, his decision-making is always going to be on point. Uh, that said, I, don't, I really don't think he had a horrible match. Uh, I, I just think we're getting overwhelmed in these counters. Nelson doesn't have the speed to cover, and we're really playing Powell as a, as, as a wingback. I think his game is as a wing back. He's he's much more competent going forward, I think, than he is going backward. I think his defensive capabilities are better this year than than when we had him in 2019, but it's still not his strong suit, I don't think. Um I don't know what the chief feels about this, but I I I generally reject blaming a match on the keeper, but I don't think Celentano had a great match against Montreal. Um, I, I, you know, I think there are some, I won't go into specifics and bore you with my knuckleheaded analysis, but I I think that there were, there were, you know, just some, just some decision-making, maybe some positional things, and you're going to have that out of the keeper. You know, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to have a a, a stellar match every game. And, and especially not one that's only making his like third or his fourth start, fifth start, whatever it is. These are, there's going, there is going to be growing pains from young players like Roman Celentano. And what you hope is, given his pedigree and what he's shown so far, that a lot of these mistakes are mistakes that he makes once. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's got to be a first time when he makes them. And if he makes a couple of them in the same match, like he's done over the last couple of weeks, it can really cost your team. But you almost have to look at it as a down payment for the future that when you really need him to be performing, hopefully down the stretch when this team's fighting for a playoff spot, he's gotten a couple of those 
okay, I'm never doing that again out of his system a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think to Kevin, your, your question, I, I think that we absolutely know that we need center back depth. Um, Jeff Cameron, all respect to the guy. I, I think he's nearing the end of his career. Um, I'm not super happy about the fact that we, you know, we have guys on the roster who can't travel to Canada when we have to play there multiple <laughs> times a year. Um, that's not ideal. Um, you know, Hagelin, the guy, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's hustle personified. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe if we're playing a four, four, two, um, or some variation thereof or four, two, three, one, or whatever, um, maybe he's not the guy to anchor them, the back line. Um, you know, d- despite the, the, the effort and, and the, the ability there, you know, it's at, at this level, we should be, we should be aspiring to, as they say, strengthen the spine. So, um, so here's so, a question for you then, Das. would you at this yeah. point, cause presumably over the next three weeks, they're going to be doing this. And I, every report seems to be, they're leaning this way, but would you renew Tyler Blackett's contract? He's on not on 800 grand. 800 grand. That's a lot of but money. If That's you, moderate. If you, don't money. Re- if you if you don't renew it, you have got to know there is someone coming in almost on day 100%. one when the window opens back yeah. up. You, I understand he he is in no way based on what he's shown since he's been here worth his wage bill. But as Grayson is so fond of pointing out, saved money or a pile of gam doesn't defend. A player defends, and to a certain extent, unless you know that you've got a line on someone that you can bring in that can at least be serviceable center back depth, you almost have to look at bringing him back just because the bird in the hand is so strong in this situation. Yeah, I I have a sort of nightmare scenario looking forward that Cincinnati sneaks into the playoffs and has to go play at Montreal and we're down our two starting center backs. (laughs) I mean, the table would be shaping up that way right now. So, um, yeah, it's something to think about when your, your two key starters on defense probably can't play in Canada. I I do. I I do want to, throw out the idea though that there is a certain amount of the what we've seen the last two weeks that I I would note that is possibly fixable on the training ground as much as it is with with new personnel the the things that I noticed in this match and I'm, I'm a I'm a knucklehead when it comes to soccer analysis I just you know <laughs> I watch it I'm a dumb American I grew up watching football and I take all of my lessons from that but to me with with what Harks was saying just a second ago about being beat in transition. Yeah, they get beat in transition a lot, but the reason they get beat in transition is there is ve- are very few people on this team who are willing to commit a professional foul yes. to stop an odd man break. Yes. And we finally saw a little bit of that in the last match. I think there was at least one where you don't see anyone just grab a guy or take a guy down. It doesn't have to be dirty. It's just you tug the jersey, you pull someone back, you take the yellow, you move on. And we see precious little of that. And what we do see is we see a lot of guys trying to make the perfect tackle instead and just whiff wildly on the ball and then take themselves out of the play and make a bad situation worse. So some of that, I think you can possibly see Albright or Noonan fixing on the training ground. The other thing is we, we lose guys in the 18 and in the six yard. Yeah. It's painfully frequently for, for a team that is in the upper half of the, of the of the table and you see guys where the mark is missed 
and they're getting a free header and putting it wide. Where I think that happened twice in the last two weeks where there should have been goals scored yep. because a guy jumped. Nobody jumped with him. There was nobody there, and there's a free header available. And I, I know that there's a tendency with that New England match that there were some just incredible goals that got scored on. First-time volleys, uh, a back heel, and it's okay. That's that's a moment of skill, and you have to tip your hat to a certain extent. But on the other hand, most of these guys had no one around them that was pressuring them that was forcing that great hit. It was they just chose, for whatever reason, to up the degree of difficulty by five notches when they were standing wide open in space. So, yeah, you know, maybe that's something that you can fix in the training ground. Cause, I mean, shit, Jeff Cameron, he didn't make a career and make money off of just losing guys. So <laughs> right. I don't know if it's what they're asking him to do or if it's just he if it is a talent issue at this point in his career but you would hope that they're spending this time off they're having trying to do a little better at figuring out how to play their style of football it's uh, to that extent you know maybe it is a little early in terms of they have only had 14 matches together under this new system yeah. to, to piggyback on top of that I I um and I usually hate these takes on so being a hypocrite but uh, I'm, I, I, I'm going to need a cost to stop like remonstrating after he loses the ball or a pass goes awry. I understand that the guy is playing, uh, you know, chess when other others are playing checkers and he, he's got a, a net meg quota to fill. And, and, um, you know, I, I obviously think FC Cincinnati is, is a much better team with him on the field, but when a play doesn't go as he wants and he throws his hands up in the air, it's, it's kind of getting old for me. I, I think at least, uh, at least a perfunctory effort would be great. <laughs> um, I, I can't imagine that, you know, it, it, and I know that, or at least I've heard that he's been, you know, given the captaincy in part to, you know, challenge him and he's responded to that challenge positively, but I can't imagine that sort of attitude helps his teammates. Um, let me let me tell you something. I I, I want to be clear on this. <laughs> they don't make a unit of measurement small enough to measure how little of a fuck I give about Lucho Acosta's body language. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. It's not just the body he's, language. He's scoring, it's, it's he's scoring not, goals. It's not tracking back. He's setting people up. I don't care. The tracking back is if, what's if, killing if, me. If we lose the ball and the guy throws his hands up in the air rather than pressuring the guy that's 20 yards from him, that I think we need to change because then they know out of that guy, they're not going to get pressure after he's stripped of the ball or the pass goes awry. He's going to be stationary for a moment. That gives them plenty of time to react rather than having this guy up up their ass um, before they get the counter. But as a a counterpoint to that, it is so easy to bully referees in MLS. That's true. So, so easy to bully these people into doing something stupid that to me, when I see Lucho doing that and working a referee, I'm completely cool with it because these people are so mentally weak that not even being a Jedi, you can wave your hand in front of their face and they'll give a foul the next time down. So if that buys us a call two minutes later, fine. It's worth it. I mean, Lucho isn't well known for his defensive prowess anyway. He ain't being paid to track back and defend people and deliver bone-crushing tackles. So if he's going to work the ref for 30 seconds right there and maybe get us a set piece a minute later, two minutes later, fine. And yep. sold. Fair that's enough. That's part of the sh- that's part of the shit housery that we're paying him for as I far as I'm concerned. I will say Lucho on on 
a lot of the the statistics, uh, is doing a lot more defensive work than a lot of other playmakers in this league, for what it's worth. So I, I, obviously, there's there's probably room to grow there, but I am happy with the uh, with the defensive effort there from a guy who. I mean, we saw last year with the game plan was just happy to kind of hang out at the top of the uh, top of the uh, the attack there, or have to come all the way back to have somebody get a ball to him. Um, I'm happy with where he's at right I, now. So I'll say in defense of myself, I don't mean this as like a binary: Acosta defends or Acosta does not defend. Just in these moments, mm. that's what I'm talking about. But I do think that I am compelled by argument of working the ref because Whoa. really because you've no 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 you've always made this argument and you have a good point <laughs> what was his name diego costa from chelsea you always had yes. that guy on your team well not always you want that guy on your team that you want the other team to fucking hate and acosta is 100 that guy ledesma was that guy before always in the ref's brain always in the fans mind always engaging in all the Concacaf fuckery and and Acosta's that guy, and I've I've not seen I've not looked at it in the frame of working the ref, and you've bought me over with that perspective. So I'll I'll withhold be, judgment. I would also I, I I want to point out I would take Diego Costa on this team right now. I don't know what he's doing, what he's been up to for the last ten years, but if someone told me we had the opportunity to bring Diego Costa over in this window, I would drive to CVG and pick him up at the airport myself. I on a I. Love the man. Can do no wrong. I think he spit in a guy's face once. Totally forgiven, too. <laughs> Love him. Well, Diego Costa, so says the internet, is uh, 33, so not so bad there. He is currently no. at, 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 at Atletico Mineiro. Um, it's so, a Brazilian team, yeah. <laughs> so that seems there's a legend- incredibly good. There's a legendary story about when he joined Chelsea, he walked into the training room for the first time and he looked right at Cesar Azpilicueta, I think, and he looked at him dead in the eye and said, I go into battle, you come with me, and then turns around and walked out. And that was his first interaction with any of his teammates. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Look, we... we... And there was a a bunch of their fans printed, because it's England and they print things, they don't actually paint things, a bunch of their fans printed that on a banner and it hung at Stamford Bridge for the entire time he was there. I go into battle, you come with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we, we may find ourselves in need of a forward. I, I don't know what the situation with Brenner is, but it doesn't seem great. Uh, there hey, is... you said he was. Pl- you said you said Costa was playing in Brazil. Yeah, Brenner back to Brazil. Diego Costa to the United States. Well, Who so says I'm getting no? that? I'm, Come I'm, on, let's do it. Know, let's do I'm it. I'm a Brenner fan. Uh, of course, we've I am. Meme, but... We've memed dumber things into reality. Let's make this shit happen. Who right was here. the Kubo account that was two years older than his arrival to the club? What was? We got to find that guy. We do need to next, find that uh, guy. That yeah. was so creepy. I think it had made like five posts about Kubo to FCC in 2017 when it didn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden he popped up. <laughs> oh, In that account, Gerard Nightingale. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Playing the longest of long games. Uh or Alan Koch? Mm. Now, now it's now it's tipped into the mm. world of the likely. Um, no, I think uh, 
I think the takeaway here is that the team could be good. I think it could be much better with smart spending over uh, this next window. Um, as as we've discussed before, uh, Brenner, Cruz, Atanga, to a lesser extent these days, Barrial, uh, Blackett, and Cameron. There is a lot of money on this team that is not contributing right now. Moderita as well, but for slightly different reasons. Um if these wages can be moved off the books and replaced with contributors, um, this team, you know, ha- has another gear or two to reach. And I-, I think that's ultimately what we have to be hanging our hat on in the, uh, the last back and, of this. And you've got to hang your hat. You got to hang your hat on the fact that at every move and every button so far that Albright pushed with the roster build. I mean, I I think it's notable in this last game that, the guy that we were raked over the coals forever spending on, Junior Moreno, contributes twice on the scoring sheet. And I mean, that's not his game. He's not going to do that every week, and or most weeks, and for that matter. But yeah, like, did we still ever pay for him? Is is that a take that we're allowed to firmly debunk? Because he's played great, and he's contributing occasionally on the offensive end too. And it, it just fills you with confidence about. Okay, well, what's Albright got up his sleeve next? Because everything he's doing so far yeah. is everything he's touching so far is turning to gold. Right, and Marino. Right, so two things real oh. quick. Yeah, go. Uh, one, Diego Costa is he was <laughs> he transferred over there on a free in what looks like August of twenty one. Okay. Um, right, so. It looks like his current market value is somewhere around four to five million. This seems incredibly doable. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> let's let's make this happen. And Diego and, and to number Cincinnati. Two. Yes. Number two. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shout into the clouds here. I know I'm the only person on the planet with this take, but I have a principal, nay, a metaphysical objection to the even the idea of quote unquote overpaying. If you could have paid Brenner to come here for $7 million, we would have. If he had, if he cost $13 million, that's just what he costs to come to Cincinnati. If we said, we would like to offer you 10, and they said, go fuck yourself, 13, and then we paid him 13, then we just paid for Brenner. Now, if you could pay for somebody, an ontological cheaper player, who's the exact same as Brenner, who does not exist, then yes, you've overpaid because you could have paid less for this theoretical person. Otherwise, what are we even saying? Yeah. I tend to look at this more like, like FIFA and Madden, where whatever player rating Brenner is at his position, if Brenner is a, I don't know, 25 at his position based on how he's performed since he's been here. (laughs) And you paid 13 million for that. But there were other twenty fives that were getting, you know, fifty bucks. Then yeah, you overpaid significantly. I'm, I'm perfectly on. I'm perfectly on board with that. If you were to say we could have gotten a ten million dollar Brazilian to perform just as badly, I'm fully on board with you. And that we threw three million dollars in the air to get the same results. But like, just the met- metaphysical obje- objection to you overpaid for a thing. Uh, never sits well with me. This is for an I mean, audience of like three people, but I, I just had to <laughs> deliver that mini rant. There's, I think, 
in the context of the Moreno critique, there's a difference between overspending on Moreno and overspending for Isaac Atanga. Like these are radically different worlds where maybe maybe a, a savvy MLS GM could have gotten uh, Moreno for 300000 instead of 400000 whereas Atanga cost more than Lucho Acosta and a transfer fee alone takes up a valuable <laughs> U22 spot and sucks on the FCC2 team, which that FCC2 team is currently bottom of the MLS Pro Next table, which I think is just the Eastern Conference I was looking at. But, like, it's not a I, good two team. I mean, maybe this. <laughs> Maybe there's an argument to be made here that, like, whenever anyone says that FC Cincinnati overspent on a player or overpaid for a player, what we're comparing it to is just such unmitigated disasters <laughs> that produced absolutely no value that it sort of fucked our scale up for what an overspend or an overpay is. Like, we had Fernando Adi on this fucking team that you can't possibly convince me that the Junior Moreno is a bigger waste of cash than Fernando Adi or, like, Jurgen Lacadia or Brenner now. Like, we've. Or Sam Diong or or Kamahilo Makocho. We have wasted so much fucking money on this team that when someone says, Oh, well, Junior Moreno is an overspend, no, it isn't, man. He's scoring goals and he's actually playing soccer. That's incredible value compared to what we usually get when we spend money. As as you have Doss Hart sitting here, I have written songs about mostly players who have been absolute busts in this team. That's that's been fantastic. I also am gonna be further annoying and say if we're going to use spend and pay as two different terms, I would say that I'd probably be more on board with the concept of overspending in the context of we have a limited pool of cash right, to use right. in a certain way. And if you're going to use that overall spend on a guy, then it has to be wise. In in And this is probably the argument other people are making, and I'm just too <laughs> annoying to, to engage with it. But if you're if it's in that context, sure. You've not handled your own funds appropriately for the people that you've gotten, but otherwise the player just costs what they do. Right. No. And I'll, I'll, I promise I won't bring that rant up at least for the rest of the day. And the context is different with the DP as well. Like spend $200 million on a DP. I don't give a shit. As long as Carl and Meg are cool with their cash going out, I'm fine with it. Um, I mean, the only concern would be that they become gun shy later. But uh, she'll I, just earn that money back in a quibby. I don't think that's that's a big worry <laughs> that we have to keep in our minds. Hey, man! This time the shows will be fifteen Whoa. minutes. Oh, <laughs> I think uh, did Roku buy <laughs> Quibi programming? I think they're all right. I bet they recoup some costs there. Uh, <laughs> People with that amount of money never actually take any risks. She probably set aside some bulletproof lump of funds that she got from who knows what, uh, probably burying a body for one of her sons. And then, you know, just uh, just rolled it on into a business venture that had a golden parachute. All right. When you're a billionaire in this country, you've got more plot armor than Harry Potter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's so true. <coughs> oh, I think that'll that'll do it for these two matches and our billionaire <laughs> benevolent overlords. Um, part two, we, we got to talk Christian Pulisic, man. Talk, talking shit about America, about immigrants, about Let's Cincinnati. Go. Let's get after him. Oh, do Let's I have get after him.
Oh, part two. We've got Christian Pulisic's comments in addition to, you know, the whole U.S. men's national team coming to Cincinnati and looking good beating a, uh, a very good Morocco team. But let's be real. The the more interesting thing here other than the uh, the exhibition match was uh, what Christian Pulisic said uh, after the game. And before I let the Chief uh, off the leash here, uh, I just want to level set with the, uh, the actual quote from the captain himself. Uh, it was, quote, For whatever reason, I'm not super happy with the amount of Americans here. However, that works out if I'm being completely honest. And you know what? It's a weird statement. It's a weird, weird questions of Americanness. Um, it's weird that he doesn't know the reason he's not super happy. Because uh, as as he started off his sentence there, but um, yeah, it's just a it's a weird <laughs> quote from the captain. Uh, I know Chief has takes. Chief is writing about it, so I'll let I'll let Doss Harks get the first crack at this one. Uh, I know, I know, Chief. I just feel like there's a 15 minute rant coming, and I got to make sure at least one other voice is set on this. <laughs> <laughs> I just so so I, I'll 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 do this. I will uh, I'll describe my experience of the match, and then I'll 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 let I'll let Chief uh, unleash um, his uh, his verbal assault. The Chelsea on Chelsea violence. Us, yes, <laughs> yes. I, I will remind blue us, like blue. everyone's uh, favorite uh, uh, and and most currently relevant uh, amendment to the Constitution. There is a part two uh, to his statement. Uh, he says, but thanks for the ones who did come, and the support is always great from them. It's nice to be back in America and playing again. Now, I don't know if that's hedging. I don't know if that's him realizing that he may have just uh, created a PR storm. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless, I will say my experience in the match, um, as, as I was drumming for this one uh, with the American Outlaw people, uh, incredible to see that many Morocco fans. Um, I have to say there were at least 10,000 of them there. Um, it, it, I'll say admittedly, it kind of felt like a, a Morocco home home game, but <laughs> I'd also say that this, that's, that that's, this is what international soccer is all about. Um, never in my life have I been able to experience having that many fans supporting another national team in a stadium before, and that includes Mexico. Yeah. Um, you know, that match was incredible um, just for what it was, the gravity of the entire situation and the opponent. But Morocco, playing Morocco in Cincinnati was just fucking cool. <laughs> and obviously, you know, the, the men, they did the business, fans did their business. But after the match, the Morocco fans came up and they were like live streaming with people uh, seemingly internationally as well as domestically um multiple languages i mean as we know morocco is a multi uh lingual country spanish french italian berber um arabic arabic uh all of the things and uh so they, they they're holding their phones up in front of a lot of us asking us questions about the match how it went what we thought of their support. Obviously, we're, we're, we're really complimentary. They're complimentary. We're sharing scarves. It was just a really awesome moment. Um, and then it kind of sucked to, uh, you know, decompress from the match, uh, open the old internet machine and, and see that we're all getting shit on after <laughs> such an awesome experience uh, because there's a perception that not a lot of American fans are there. And I will tell you, 
like half the Morocco fans that I met uh, were from like Boston or Dallas or <laughs> Kansas City or Orlando. You know, you can be shocking. You wow. can there be are Americans brown. of all shapes and sizes. You wow. can be brown and not be from a different country. Uh, as I say here, as a brown person who often gets mistaken for many things, but for speaking the Queen's English. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'll give way to. God damn it. Wow. Bleep that out. <laughs> Again. I know. Jesus. Just just making more work for Kevin. Anyway, I'll turn it back over to the chief. All right. So I wrote about this on the post today, and I'm not going to rehash a ton of what I already said, but just tone deaf fucking comments yep. from Christian Polisic. Yep. From a guy who is supposed to be the captain of this team who is supposed to be the public face of soccer in America. This is the guy that you want to build your brand around. This is the guy that you want to be the the jersey every kid owns that what makes people want to play the sport. He's your international golden boy playing at one of the true elite clubs in Europe, although can't get off the bench there. Do want to note that um, for Mr. Polisic. So maybe a little less talking and a little more focusing on actually playing at Chelsea versus wearing the uh, the kit on the sidelines mm-hmm. um in this moment right here you just gotta be like a setting aside everything else just know what the state of the fucking country is that eight percent inflation airline prices and fuel prices to get anywhere or through the roof you play this game a year ago in cincinnati when it doesn't cost two hundred dollars to fill your tank up and drive from chicago you probably get more people buying in and coming down regionally to come to this game you get people flying in, maybe. It's $800 to $1,000 to fly anywhere in this country right now. It's expensive as hell to get on an airplane unless you're willing to you know, pray the rosary and get on Allegiant and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> so from that standpoint, just tone deaf about the state of the country. And then from another standpoint, too, just this idea and this entitlement that every American soccer match is only going to have what his vision of America is present. We're a country of immigrants, man. And for the Moroccans, like like Das Harks was saying, this was a big fucking deal to see their national team here in the United States. And unless you're going to start doing DNA tests and genealogy tests before you sell people tickets, there's not a lot of ways to prevent Moroccan fans who are motivated that want to see their team playing from buying tickets to see their team fucking playing. And that's fine. That's fine. And and all he would have needed to do at the end of this match is look at the camera and say, it was a great environment. It was great to hear the Moroccan support. I hope that they're behind us at the World Cup too when we're not playing Morocco because it was cool to have them here. Be a little magnanimous. You won the fucking game. You won the game 3-0. There was no reason to go out there and be salty about your feelings that you weren't supported loudly enough or cheered loudly enough at a building and in a city that absolutely loved you and was behind you 10,000% when you needed to win in November, when you needed a win, this city was here for you, yet in a match that you were so unconcerned about the result that that Pulisic gave up his PK opportunity to a younger player to get them experience because the score didn't matter. The result didn't matter, yet he's going to go out there and get sanctimonious that people weren't willing to drop 
80, 100, $150 on a ticket to this game. It's the villain here is is the US Soccer Federation. And if he would have said anything to the effect of the reason why there's empty seats, we'd like to see these games priced more competitively, he could have been a hero. Instead, he's just another tone-deaf weirdo of an athlete who doesn't understand what the real world is for people that aren't making 150,000 pounds a week to sit the bench in London. And it just it sucks too because I want to like Pulisic and I'll be rooting for him in November and I'll forget about this by the time the Chelsea season starts over again. But it just sucks. Like I just want I want American players to be better and to understand what America is like and represent the country better. And in the middle of this economy in this moment at this setting to choose and make some grand pronouncement about what America should and shouldn't look like at an American soccer game. Just it sucks is, is my take on it. No, I'll also say that the people criticizing that the match was in Cincinnati can go fuck themselves too. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I think that's a great point. That goes without saying. (laughs) Uh, Cincinnati is uniquely positioned in the United States that it can draw from a lot of other major metropolitan areas from not far drives. You have Pittsburgh, Louisville, Lexington, Columbus, Dayton, Cleveland, Indianapolis, even Chicago. Like these, that's a huge percentage of the American population lives within a less than a day's drive of Cincinnati. So yes, it makes a lot of sense that they'd be hosting games here. When Gat, when gas isn't right, five dollars right, a gallon, right. though, when gas isn't you, you don't have to take out a fucking mortgage to fill a tank up. It makes a lot of sense to put a game where you can drive to, and not right now. And if you you use a second of critical thought before you open and you run your mouth post game, you think of things like yes. that. Speaking of which, the people the people judging Cincinnati about the demographics saying, oh, "Of course, they put the game there because they want home field advantage because they want a white crowd." First off. Not for nothing, just like me, Cincinnati, half black. As I'm driving from Woodlawn <laughs> through Lincoln Heights down 75 to get to the fucking West End, I'm not, I'm, I don't find myself living in a, 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 a quote unquote white city. You've got fucking weirdos on Twitter from LA talking about what a white hellscape Cincinnati is. Meanwhile, we're 50% black. I'm looking here at LA demographics, 50% white, black, 8%. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and skip over the Hispanic. Uh, demographic <laughs> in LA and and leave the narrative there because it works for me. But uh, these people can these people can kiss my gray ass, and I'm 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 really sick of these comparisons. People don't know <laughs> shit about Cincinnati. Uh, some people some some fucking guy was talking about Southern roots, bitch. We are literally on top of the Mason Dixon line, and this meant freedom to certain people. So yes. kick fucking rocks with that. Eat shit. What do you guys got? No, and and what <laughs> the reason why they played in Cincinnati, according to the the coach who picked Cincinnati, was that they like our training facility. They really like Cincinnati's facilities and setup, and that's where they wanted to start this international break at. They could have picked anywhere. They could have picked Kansas City. They could have picked Orlando. Could have picked any of the LA setups there. Uh, Klinsman seemed to really like Stanford University. Like that's just what he preferred for the setup. Um, Craig seems to really like Mercy Health, and like that's cool for us. And it's irrespective of the match and T 
TQL Stadium and the game on that side of things as to why they picked it. But to the Chiefs' point, this is absolutely a ticketing strategy from U.S. soccer. And I love the idea that they picked Cincinnati to avoid, you know, the massive Morocco populations that are elsewhere in the country. Like, come on, <laughs> come on. Um, but the, uh, the that their goal is to extract as much money per ticket versus increasing the number of tickets sold. They could have easily done all of this played at Paul Brown, maybe a trial run for a potential World Cup hosting thing, and sold tickets for five bucks a piece and tried to max out 67,000 seats. That's not what they're interested in. They want to sell $100 tickets. They want to sell $200 tickets. And that's just where our federation is. And if you want to change it, it's a giant pain in the dick to try to fix this. You need to get involved with your local soccer youth association and then their regional association and then hope to you scrape together enough regional votes to have a vote for a member on the board of the U.S. Soccer Board. It's the most asinine backwards thing you've ever seen in terms of a democracy, quote, unquote, unquote. Um, and that's just where we where we are. The U.S. Soccer Federation exists to make money, not to promote the game, not to have this sport be as accessible to, to as many people as possible, like other federations in the world do. Dare I put on my pro-rail truther hat right now, but... Uh, some of the same vibes come out here and that's just what our federation is set up to do um and it's also worth pointing out uh that given the new cba that the u.s men's and women's national teams now have um they're the players get a five dollar or more cut of every ticket sold so i imagine if i'm christian pulisic and i'm looking at twenty thousand of twenty six thousand possible seats sold that's money not in my pocket anymore. And <laughs> I have to wonder if that didn't factor into his comments, wondering where the rest of his money could have been if we had all just showed up. Ugh. You know, not to get political either, obviously, because, you know, it's a stupid soccer podcast that like 10 people <laughs> listen to. But it, it's it's striking to me that what you want out of a leader for a national team that in this moment in American history, with everything that's going on around the country, with everything that happened last week, um, with the way real people are hurting for various reasons, with the shit that we've been through for the last two years since the hellscape began with you know <laughs> that guy eating a bat over in China, um, <laughs> that this is what he chooses to bitch right. about? Right. This? That he chooses, uh, he has a national platform, and there's a billion ways he could have gone in that moment to do something productive as the leader of the national team that wears not a city, not a franchise, not a club on his crest, but the national, the USA, the stars and the stripes. In that moment, what Christian Pulisic chose to bitch about was that not enough people were willing to spend $100 to attend what amounted to an exhibition match in Cincinnati, Ohio, that had no stakes, that had no impact on anything, that was staged purely for a television audience and to line the pockets of the U.S. Soccer Federation. That's what he chose to be upset about in that moment. And that's just... It, it sucks. And I understand that, you know, he's... He's not more than what he is. He's an athlete. 
He's a very, very good athlete playing on a very, very good version of the U.S. men's national team. And he's not, he, in the job description, it isn't more than that. But when you are the face of soccer in America, in that moment, I wished he had chosen to be more than just guy upset that fans not loud enough. And just, and I think about also all of the, all the people that are working hard at these matches. And I, I know that, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Harks down there isn't going to, you know, tip his own cap on this, but there, there's an ass load of people at these games that really give it their all to make this a special thing when the U.S. men's national team traveling circus comes to town. And people in warehouses painting TIFOs, people giving up their night to haul drums around, to set things up on a Wednesday afternoon. And it's not just Cincinnati, it's in every one of these towns. It's, it'll be in Kansas City when they go there, it'll be in Austin. Just people that spend a ton of time and money to, to support this team. And your go-to line, if you're Christian Pulisic, is I wish there were more Americans here. How about, just, yeah. Uh, I also wish, and not for nothing, I know it's going to piss off at least one of our former guests that we've had on this podcast, but I, I would have really, in that moment, liked um, the American Outlaws to say, hey, fuck you. Yeah. Like the national chapter of AO, AO National, to say that's not cool. I understand that we're we're that you're Christian Pulisic and that you're the national team, but fuck off, fuck directly off. That we have volunteers and chapters that work really hard, and your fucking federation is trying to milk us dry on every time we go to one of these matches. And 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 do something good. Go tell the sinister fucks you work for to be a little less greedy about tickets before you start bitching about stuff. But naturally they were silent on that issue. So fuck them too. No, I, I, that's a fantastic point. And I think combining both of those points there with, uh, with what Hark said is it's funny that you don't see these same complaints leveled at big cities that don't draw Phoenix a couple of years ago had fewer than 10,000 people show up at the Arizona Cardinals stadium to watch the U S men's national team, 9,000 some odd people in a stadium that holds whatever it is, 70,000, 80,000 people that has hosted Super Bowls. It looked worse than most USL matches and they still American outlaw still had to be out there holding up a TIFO and banging a drum. It's just, like the saddest expression of soccer that you've ever seen but i don't remember people like getting mad at phoenix and and like trying to figure out why is u.s soccer trying to you know send these games to these big cities that don't care why why don't they send them to midwestern cities that build really nice stadiums that seem to care about soccer like it's just weird that it doesn't work in reverse there was somebody else on twitter bitching about how uh they never play in in DC. They should come to the East Coast, and they drew thirteen thousand last time they played at Audi Field in DC. That was in twenty nineteen. You'll note that's fewer than they brought in Cincinnati, and that was for a I think a meaningful game, a Nations <laughs> League game against Cuba uh, that saw six goals scored by the U.S. men's national team. Like that's a fun game and a game that quote unquote matters. Um, and they couldn't draw as well as Cincinnati. And that, that's a major metropolitan uh, city with as much public infrastructure for uh, <laughs> um, public transit as you could always ask for. Anybody from Philadelphia to New York could could hop on a train and come on down there to watch that game, and fucking nobody did. So it's just frustrating to see that criticism leveled at Cincinnati when 
Kansas City isn't going to be drawing well. Austin isn't going to be drawing well. Um, yeah, it's just it's annoying that it was Cincinnati that that bore the brunt of this. Ugh, I don't know. As we do, is the is the well dry here? Is there is there anything yeah, else to go? As, <laughs> right. As I, I would say, I would say in, in closing, shut up and dribble. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I it's our lot in life in Cincinnati. Christian We're meant to suffer. <laughs> Pulisic, whatever the fuck his name is. I kid him. Uh, if he keeps this up, Verbal he's gonna go back to being Pulisic just so he can remember his immigrant Ooh. roots. Um <clears throat> Hey Christian, how about you score a goal in the World Cup before you talk shit? Or how about you play in a World Cup game before you talk yeah. shit? I just why So here in a few months. Why go after the fans? <laughs> yeah. You, it's like not just not now. Why the fans that that decided to show it's, up? There were nineteen thousand people there. It's not like it was empty. Fuck, it's a lot of it's a lot on of a, on a stormy There's Wednesday. More, yeah, in fucking June. There's going when to be more the people. Storm, it was going to be ninety degrees. <laughs> I guarantee you, there won't be nineteen thousand people at the Bengals' next home uh, preseason game. The next preseason game, they pay actual people through the doors. There will not be nineteen thousand fucking people. I. I the only people that care about preseason games are degenerate gamblers and people on SEC football message boards. That's it. No one else gives a shit. The last exhibition that was worth attending was the And One mixtape tour back in the early 2000s. Otherwise, no one cares about exhibitions. They, they're stupid. Baseball hasn't done barnstorming to- stores since the 20s. Play games that matter if you want to charge that much fucking money to go to one. You're uh, you're really discounting New York Cosmos versus Ibar in uh, in Vegas back in 2017, and uh, that's that's a match that is a reference for maybe one person in our audience. So there you go. That was a thing that happened. Um, that'll do it for part two because uh, if we go any further, uh, one of us is getting canceled. I don't know for what. I don't know why, but I feel it coming. <laughs> <laughs> so. Part three. We've got a, a couple of things here to uh, to touch on, and I mean the perfect transition from a uh, U.S. Men's National Team talk has got to be Hamilton County deciding to vote in favor of a contract with FIFA. I think that's the way to phrase it. They've set aside the money in, uh, we'll, we'll call it escrow here, uh, to renovate Paul Brown Stadium to meet FIFA's requirements. I'm sure there is some handshake deals and some winking and nodding with City Hall as well for uh, for some other citywide improvements should a, a hosting match come here. But um, it would appear that Cincinnati has done everything publicly that it can. Uh, Chief, I didn't let you talk first on the last one, so I'll give you this one. Is Cincinnati going to host a World Cup match in 2026? It's really funny how you could ask me that question tomorrow and the day after and the day after. My answer would probably be different every single day. I go back and forth on this. On one hand, there have been a lot of people that have been really, really quiet about the World Cup bid to where I think that if we weren't going to get it or if we weren't in the running, that there would be some soft selling going mm-hmm. on right now, some you know easing expectations in. And there was a really weird tweet that I don't want to put too much stock in just because I know the man personally. And, um, and that's from Bill Cunningham from 700 WLW. 
Where you can you can <laughs> the Stooge Report. And you can I, I'm sure our listener base doesn't really bleed over with Bill Cunningham on LW, but he sent a tweet out the other day that that just casually um mentioned Cincinnati getting the World Cup. And you could write that off to old uh, aging AM radio talk show host that doesn't know what's going on, except he really does know what's going on. Like Willie has a reputation for being a guy that just, when he's not on the air, he's just calling people and working the phones and not like people like, Hey, his friends that he wants to go play golf with like movers and shakers in this town. will get phone calls from Willie and it just like on the radio, he'll pick up the phone, give me a full report. And he talks to so many people in this town for him to casually drop that we're getting the World Cup, I, I, that is one of those rare things that just sort of flew under the radar on the internet where that made me sit up and take notice like, oh, oh, who did he talk to that said something they weren't supposed to on this? Yeah. Because I, I would bet that if we're getting it, there are probably two or three people in town that already know that they've been given a high sign by someone at either U.S. Soccer or FIFA that it's happening. I don't think there's a lot of people in town that know, but I guarantee you that if there are two or three people that know, at least one of those people is on Willie's speed dial. And that 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 was the first thing that I've seen in a while that made me think, maybe there's a there there on this. And then when they passed that thing today, which, I mean, I can bore everyone to death with my take on all of our county commissioners, but <laughs> no one cares. But they, they passed it, and I'm... So yeah, that's a very long way to say, I, I yeah, today, as we record this episode, I, I think we're going to get a game here. We're going to get some games here. I don't know. With P&G and Kroger as sponsors, um, those are two gigantic fuck you corporations that make their home in Cincinnati. I, I think, you know, knucklehead take here, but I think those two businesses alone get us a match. I mean... Everyone in this entire country, I'll, I'll say my usual line, thank you uh, for purchasing P&G products at Kroger Family Stores. Uh, Cincinnati is in you all the time. <laughs> and I think that the World Cup is going to be in Cincinnati for that reason alone, among many other. But I, I, I think this is a lock. And, you know, there's some scary connected people in this town. Lock. I get things done. I, I think I think they may have gotten this one done. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I'll go lock, but I am I am more confident than most of the national pundits seem to be of our position. There was a um uh, a user on Reddit that had a pretty interesting breakdown of the FIFA bid book. And what they looked at there specifically was how FIFA wanted to set up their pods of different host cities to host particular group matches. Essentially, you don't want to be playing in Orlando and then Seattle uh, a few days later to play in your group matches. That They want to keep these relatively close. And because of that, Cincinnati actually pairs really well with a bunch of other cities that we'll assume are shoe-ins, such as Baltimore and Toronto. Toronto and Nashville or Atlanta. Um, and Cincinnati is just geographically in a good spot. It's, it's main competition would probably be Kansas city, which I think just has an objectively worse, 
uh, bid than us. Their city isn't as nearby the stadium. Their believe it or not, their their entertainment infrastructure isn't as robust as Cincinnati's. Um, Cincinnati actually scored really well in FIFA's assessments, even for things like hotels. Um, the only thing Cincinnati struggled with was transportation, which isn't going to surprise anybody, but it does have an international airport Shocking. attached to it. I mean, I believe all of these cities do, but I mean, that's, that's not nothing. It's not like we're, we're some podunk town or something like that. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot more there. And then I was surprised today with the vote, how cheap, I guess I'll say this really was. I think the, the total you know, final bill was like a little over ten million dollars for the stadium renovations. I mean, I doesn't feel that much. I feel like Meg and Carl could probably chip in that if they felt like hosting the World Cup would have mattered that much. And uh And some of that cost will be some of that cost will be rolled into what they're going to do and spoiler <laughs> alert, they're going to do this is the renovations that they're gonna need to make to Paul Brown Stadium to, to keep yes, the Bengals absolutely. around. That that it's on the exact same timetable as what they would be doing for the World Cup here. So, you know, construction projects get cheaper when you pair them with other construction projects and put them out to bid for a large number of things versus a small number of things. And they'll get this done at the same time they're upgrading the concourses, fixing the scoreboard, repairing the leaks, redoing the stairwells, all that nonsense that was in that huge report that they uh, county commissioned on how to use Paul Brown Stadium for another Bengals lease. So it'll be even cheaper than that. I'm, I'm very curious now, deathly curious right now, to be honest with you, as to exactly what else is going to happen if they get the bid. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves right here, but there's been some really, really interesting chatter. If you've been paying attention to sort of the, the different channels about what having the World Cup here could entail in terms of possibly doing the caps yep. on Fort Washington yep. way and having that be the 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 party zone for FIFA and the FIFA zone down there. Um, there, there's getting this bid would be a lot bigger for the city than I think a lot of people realize. It's it's more than just getting a couple of games here. Um, which I noted today on Twitter would be really funny if Christian Pulisic had to come back here to play games. That would make me laugh a ton. That surprise, surprise asshole, you're back. Does he get booed if he comes back to Cincinnati and touches the ball? I think he has, he has to get booed. That's a hell of a question. I almost brought that up in the last set. I almost brought that up in the last set, set uh, segment. Does Christian Pulisic get booed the next time he plays in Cincinnati? I think I 100% think yes. is bitch-ass if it's Fuck that If guy. it's a World Cup match, no, because I think too many people won't be from Cincinnati. If it's a World Cup qualifier, yeah, he's getting Michael Bradley treatment. Because we don't have to qualify the next go around, do we? No. Like, do we still play the games? Uh, what they'll probably do, I mean, one, we'll probably get a shit ton of matches against Mexico. Um, like what Qatar has done uh, is that they've done a whole bunch of high-profile friendlies, and Qatar um, paid a bunch of money to join the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Like they just find ways to like get in other tournaments and things like that. So we'll probably do something like that. Set up a whole bunch of he believes cups in, in the U.S. <laughs> and uh, he believes that you should spend more money buying tickets on it uh, on U.S. men's national team games. Yes. <laughs> 
So, so real quick, you're talking about the cost, the cost of, of hosting this thing. And, and but before yeah. we move on from that, I know it is probably maybe a, a take many would disagree with, but I, I really think that any chance Cincinnati has to jump on something like this, they need to right away. I am a lifelong Cincinnatian. I have seen this city sit stagnant and in its own way for way too long. And I understand that there is a right way to do development and we almost always don't do it the right way, but that is preferable than not developing at all because that watches our urban centers decay uh, that creates another cycle of dilapidation and gentrification, and I do not want that to happen to us again. I want a strong, financially viable city center that will set the city up sustainably and hashtag overspending up front, I think for this city will help us get that momentum and the inertia to keep our our city generating activity and revenue and tax money to then get it up, get it up off of its own ass. So we don't have the stagnation of the eighties and nineties and, you know, boondoggle and failure after one another. Um, I, 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 I really think we need to grab yeah. this with both hands. Yeah, I on. think, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious to see where uh, just a couple of big improvements uh, could make a difference here. Uh, FC Cincinnati still has a ton of space around their stadium that needs development. Uh, there's been talk about putting uh, hotels around the stadium in addition to the new arena that uh, Jeff Birding is trying to build um, and the uh, convention <laughs> center uh, refresh there. And you have the Millennium Hotel uh, replacement that will be coming in. I think there's enough infrastructure there. The biggest thing will always be transportation to the city from the airport. That's a Northern Kentucky issue, unless we're going to put together a large metro push, which has never really existed before. Uh, that said, uh, all of these... Would be a hell of a time. All of these Fortune 500 companies that have put their weight behind this bid... Uh, could could potentially see that as mutually beneficial to all of them to to try to put some sort of light rail thing into Newport or or over to the banks of some kind. Um, is it likely? No, but now would be the time to do it, and they have all of the right people in the right yeah. place to do it. Is it likely? No, but was it fucking likely that Cincinnati is going to host World Cup matches? If you would have <laughs> asked this question ten years ago, so fuck. <laughs> What the hell does likely mean these days anyway? Right. I mean, was it likely that Jeff Birding would get the city of Cincinnati to eat yet another stadium? <laughs> yes, but... <laughs> we don't talk enough in this city about how absurd it is that Jeff Birding talked the city into building another stadium. Like, that's... He's responsible for all three of our stadiums, like our, our big stadiums. That is insane. <laughs> Why can't he get behind, like, finishing the subway? Right. Like... <laughs> hey if we could hey let's let's think on that there's, there's, there's a there there's there. a report there's out there a... where it's like shockingly cheap to retrofit and restart the subway where like i read the report and i did a double take and i actually made a phone call to someone who knows someone on city council and asked if the report was authentic because the number quoted you, you say like oh they're gonna finish the cincinnati subway and people are like how much is that gonna cost five billion dollars no like not even ten percent of that and I don't know. Let's go. Let's do that, Jeff. 
Was it was it easy to move? I don't know. Tones? Fuck, I didn't re- I didn't write the report. I'm not an engineer. I just read how much the the dollar figure was, and I was like, wait for the, the price of the streetcar we could have gotten the subway going again. What the fuck? Right, right. Oh. You do that. You make you you build that connection from the airport to Union Terminal and to Union Terminal to the streetcar, and it's we're golden, baby. Like that's that's all Get we need. Get the subway going again. Oh. Get the subway. If yes. you could go from Camp Washington, Chile to TQL Stadium on the subway, guys, guys, I'd die and go to heaven. Oh, <laughs> that's that's where its little tunnel pops out. Is like across across the highway because, from Camp Washington. Because then think, <laughs> because then think about this. Once you can do that, well, Price Hill, Chile isn't going to take that kind of slander. They're going to demand some sort of mass transit to get to them, and then Blue Ash, Chile will want in. And all of a sudden, all of these chili parlors can be our stops on this this mass transit system because no one wants to be the only place in town you can't get to to get a Coney on rail. Just take the brown line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd have the brown line, you'd have the beige line, you'd have the yellow line. It would all just be the chili colors, right? Um, oh, my God. And a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people... Wishing this train would go just a little bit faster. <laughs> just hop on the Coney Coaster, get on the brown line. I really need one done. of those cool stylized transit posters, but all of the stops are chili parlors. And like how the city's mass oh transit God. system would look if you had to connect all of the hey, skylines. Hey, 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 Kevin, hey, shut you, up right now. Yeah, get a pen up. to paper. Do this. <laughs> oh my God. You thought we made money selling those Ope shirts. Holy shit. This would slay. Yeah, we would take that dozens of dollars and make it several dozens of dollars. Like you'd break Reddit with the number of upvotes you'd get on r-Cincinnati for that oh. shit. Holy people would be fuck. sending you to digital teddy bears or whatever the fuck people get on Reddit. I'm into it. I'm into it, man. Yeah. I'm re- these shirts need to exist. Guys. Let's, make, let's make these happen. I'm ready to start buying NFTs. I think now's the time. <laughs> this reminds me, a- a- apropos of, of nothing whatsoever, you are goddamn. Ah, what the? Jeez. Come on, man. I know. It's not my. So this much. reminds me of something. All right. One more time. No. This reminds me of something completely apropos of nothing that Cincinnati has this weird tick where you say, be careful. And it's an endearing phrase in Cincinnati, but everywhere else it just sounds oddly threatening. Somebody's walking out here, be careful. Yes. Here, Northern Kentucky, great. Oh, thank you so much. You know what, buddy? I, I will. But I remember watching an episode of American Idol. Yes, American Idol. And a guy from Northern Kentucky, he he auditions. He's not great. They tell him to kick rocks. And he's like, all right, you guys, be careful. And they stop him. What did you say? The fuck did you just say to us? It's like, I, sorry, I was telling you to be careful. And, you know, they, they could not understand that this man genuinely wanted them to go with God. And, and <laughs> may the force be with them. They were so concerned that this guy was going to knife their tires and end up in their back seat. That is incredible. I realize, as you said this, I say that all the time. I tell people to be careful. I say be safe, or I say have fun. It's like yeah, I got to go to this meeting. All right, have fun. Like I don't know why I say that. Like, that's just my go-to. This feels like a middle class. This feels like a middle class fancy meme on Instagram. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Be, be careful. What do you know? What, what do you know that, about this? And on that note, on that note, everyone out there, be careful. <laughs>